And we are going to get right into God's word. Amen? Is that okay? Everybody okay with that? Good, 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 good. Well, if you've been here for the last five Sundays at least, uh, we started a new series called Family Values. And what we're trying to do is just kind of getting to the core values of who we are as a community of faith. Uh, you know, things that we want to prioritize and pursue, not just as pastors, but as a body of believers. And so for the last five Sundays, we've been, we've been kind of unpacking those things. Uh, if you were with us the first week, we talked about the presence of God, um, how we value that and how we want to prioritize and pursue that as a community. We talked about prayer. And the third Sunday that we were together, of which we're going to circle back around today and talk more about, is people. You notice the P theme? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, you didn't catch that. Great. Really paying attention, aren't we? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, but people, uh, that's right. We, we value people here at Hilltop. We believe that Jesus valued people. And so we want to be like Jesus and do the same. Now, we're not perfect in that here. No person is. Um, but we do our best to excel in that area. And um, if you were with us, I think it was actually February 20th, I uh, started this message. And we were in the Gospel of Matthew talking about the story of Jesus and the leper. Um, who Jesus ended up healing. The account is actually recorded in two other Gospels, Mark and Luke. Uh, I chose uh, Matthew uh, for no particular reason. I actually like that the Gospel writers picked out different um, uh, observations. You know, They were similar in many ways in terms of the account, uh, but there was some different observations I think that Mark meant that were really special and, and Luke uh, made as well. Uh, but I chose Matthew, and maybe we'll uh, circle back around some of that. But if you were with us on that sur- sur- Sunday, sorry, Sunday service, my microphone is going crazy here a bit, um, then uh, I-, I talked about Jesus reaching out to the leper. It was there in Matthew, and that was kind of a controversial thing. It was a frowned upon thing to do in that time. Uh, nobody really associated, let alone touched a leper or came into proximity of a leper. For Jesus to do that was a bit... Um, you know, scary, you know, in the public's eyes. And, um, and so we unpack that a little bit, how God is going under after, excuse me, the unreachable, the people that society has kind of written off as hard cases, you know, maybe even sick and have just, you know, put to the wayside how Jesus is focusing on those people and using the body of Christ to be his hands and his feet. Much like you heard today, I know, um, I, I love his zeal. It was hard to hear some of that wonderful testimony that um, Andrew uh, made, but some of the things that are going on over at Miracle Mile, um, you know, those are the ways in which we see Jesus um, uh, using his people to establish his kingdom in the earth. And so we're going to get a little bit more into that story, and we're going to go on to the second observation, which is Jesus not only reached out to people who society rejected, But Jesus also restored certain qualities that the society said these people would never have again. Now, if you're familiar with the cultural context, um, uh, you know, and the way lepers were perceived uh, at that time in ancient history, um, I got into a little bit of this, and I don't want to spend too much time this Sunday going back. But these guys were outcasts. They, they <laughs> um, I mean, how would you like it if you had leprosy? I, I try to put myself in, in you know, leper shoes. And, and you approach a, a, a small group of people, and all of a sudden they just start shouting at you, unclean, 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 and, and go the other direction. I don't know for you, I'd, I'd feel a bit uh, <laughs> disappointed, depressed, and um, kind of like, man, where's hope in all of this? And that's the thing about lepers. They really had no hope at this time in history. There was no hope for them at all. Uh, but Jesus, in Jesus-type fashion, 
does what only Jesus can do. And, and he restores uh, this leper's health. He uh, um, prays over him. He's moved with compassion, as the author of uh, Mark says in the Gospel of Mark. He's moved with compassion. Thus, this man with leprosy is healed right there on the spot. Now, there's one other thing, and we'll get into this probably next Sunday. Um, but uh, not only does Jesus reach out to the unreachable, and not only does Jesus restore that which humanity says cannot be restored, he also revives. Uh, and that's another thing that we see reflected in this uh, uh, story, is that Jesus reaches out, he restores, and he revives. Now let's just focus on the restore aspect of this, uh, as we did um, last time we were together when we were talking about this particular passage. I, I see three things in which uh, Jesus restored or gave back to this leper as a result of his healing. One is obvious, his health, right? I mean, clearly. <laughs> you know, that is obvious in, in the text. There's two other things that I don't think are um, quite obvious as the first. But if you put your shoe, yourself in the shoes of the leper, then you can automatically connect that this must have been what that leper was feeling. I wish I had a name. I kind of feel uh, bad calling this man the leper, you know, but he's a healed leper anyways. Um, but so his health was restored. That's obvious in the text. But his dignity, his dignity was restored. You know, uh, up to this point, this guy was rejected. He was an outcast. And many people like him were an outcast, they were rejected. But yet, suddenly, as a result of his healing, he's able to enter, I imagine, back into society, right? The people are no longer, you know, seeing him come and, leper, leper, go the other way, you know? He's able to re-enter, you know, into society. And I, I think that's a remarkable thing when you think about it. Um, you know, his dignity being restored is powerful. And then, lastly, uh, his faith in God of which I have to imagine was restored. And actually, if you look at Mark's account, um, the leper did exactly what Jesus told him not to do. Uh, and I, I, you know, I love this about Jesus uh, compared to what we see in kind of like the healing ministry today. Um, when, when, a, when a miracle happens, man, get us on Facebook, right? Like, like get me Instagram live. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to brag on Jesus, right? I'm going to brag on Jesus for a little bit now. You know, I'm the man of God. I'm going to brag on myself. You see what just happened? No. But, but Jesus doesn't do that, right? He, he says, keep your mouth shut. Now, I'm, I'm summary. I, that's not what Jesus said. But, you know, just in, in Daryl language, we'll just say that I would have told him, hey, shut up. Don't tell anybody. But uh, Jesus had far more finesse than that. Um, but Jesus did. He said, keep your mouth shut. Go and tell nobody. I think, Joe, you can probably uh, rebuke me uh, later if I get this wrong. But Jesus pretty much just says, go and obey the law. Go and do what's required to do when a leper gets cleansed. And tell uh, no one, nothing, uh, but just go and, and f fulfill what the law prescribes when a leopard has been cleansed. And um, the leper doesn't do that. And again, I feel bad just saying leper, 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 leper. I like this guy have a name. No. Uh, but anyways, uh, he goes and does exactly what Jesus tells him not to do. And I'm going to be honest with you. I do the same thing. I'd be like, what? You want, to keep, you want me to keep my mouth shut? No way. But Jesus is concerned. See, his heart, and this is just uh, more telling of Jesus' heart for people. Jesus wants to be in the town square. And he knows if rumor gets out uh, that a leper has been healed, man, 
crowds are going to amass around him and he's going to have to now be outside of the town rather than being in. And his heart is to be in, to bring. Actually, later in the text, you find that Jesus told his disciples that he wants to go in town to preach the, the kingdom of God. And unfortunately, um, exactly what Jesus, uh, you know, probably thought was going to happen, happened. Um, the leper went and told everyone, and large crowds start to assemble, and Jesus was put outside of the town with these large uh, groups of people. Uh, you have to imagine just the epidemic, really, uh, because uh, in, in Matthew's account, um, the, the large crowd that had started to amass around Jesus were sick, diseased, people like this leper. And so you had to imagine that this was just a representation, this man was just a representation of many others who were sick and diseased, who heard the word that Jesus healed and, and, and went to Jesus for healing. And so Jesus is put out. So his health, his dignity, and I have to uh, say his faith in God is restored. I mean, um, I don't want to get ahead of myself, uh, but it kind of reminds me of my own story. And I'm sure many stories here today, like, um, uh, you know, you've heard my testimony, maybe, maybe oh, like this, this church, the face of this church changes so much. So I don't know how many are familiar with my story, but, um, uh, but, but I, I come from addiction, a, a background of addiction. You know, I, I come from a, a pretty rough, rugged, you know, background um, that most deemed uh, me unsavable. <laughs> you know, that's, I mean, I literally, uh, my mom used to say, good luck, God, <laughs> you know, if you get a hold of him. Man, well, I know you're powerful. Um, but, but as I snap back, and I'm sure many of you could put yourself back to the day in which, you know, the Lord saved you and called you to be his own, um, that you can think of uh, similarities to the story of this leper. Your, your health, maybe, being healed, or your dignity. I know for me, my reputation followed me. <laughs> like, uh, like uh, at least in the small town of Kingston, people knew keep your kids away from that kid. You know, don't, don't let him hang out with that boy. He's a troublemaker. I had a bit of a reputation. Matter of fact, after a bad overdose um, and coming to my senses the next morning, uh, I, I was looking at the table, a coffee table at my parents' home, desperate. I was realizing, I don't know, it must have been God because I never felt that kind of conviction or that kind of concern over my own disposition uh, before in my life. But I woke up after that uh, overdose and I was like, God, I'm in big trouble. I need, I, I, I said these very words at the, at the coffee table. I need you, God. <laughs> and, and lo and behold, right, and I'm not, I'm not, listen, I am not hyperbolic at all. I am not dramatic. I mean, maybe I am in different contexts, but you know, I, yeah, I am. Let's face it. I am, I am. Um, but, um, I'm looking at the table and there's this article uh, of this youth ministry just 15 minutes down the road from where I live um, where the presence of God is touching young people. Now, you have, my mind is blown at this moment. I have no reference point. I have no context at all. I just utter the words, God, I need you. And, and simultaneously, I see this article lying on the kitchen table, uh, 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 an article about young people encountering the presence of God. I'm like, boom, this must be God. I gotta go. And, and this uh, about reputation. This is how uh, my reputation kind of went ahead of me. When I showed up to the youth group, I, I didn't know the youth pastor at the time, but as I, no, no joke, uh, as I walked through the door, uh, uh, the youth pastor said, Daryl! And I didn't even know she knew my name, honestly. I was like, I know you. I didn't say that, but I was like, hey! And she's like really confused and perplexed. What are you doing here? <laughs> like, are you coming to destroy us? Are, are you for us? Are you against us? What are you, 
what's your plan here? But just about my reputation following me. But God restored that. I mean, 90% of the people that I talked to today that knew me in high school, they're like, you're a pastor. Are you crazy? I used to like drink with you. I used to like OD with you. I'm like, oh, that's sad, by the way. Like, those are our memories. We used to OD together. And, and, and I maybe had maybe one overdose in my entire life. That's enough. One is enough. Um, but I definitely hung around some shady characters. But all of those guys and gals who knew me from my past are astounded that I'm a pastor. Literally. That's their words. And it's not like a, it's a small handful. I'm not like, you know, saying that that number's like in the hundreds, you know. But, but friends who are close to me are like, man, you're a pastor? Never what I have imagined. I won't even tell you what they imagined me to be, but <laughs> we won't get into that. Um, but uh, anyways... Health, dignity, and faith in God. God restores those things. Now, this is important to share. And let me, this is going to seem like an awkward kind of detour, but it's really not. You know, often I think, we think as God's people, that following Jesus means joining some cult or or some club like the Mickey Mouse Club. Anybody familiar with the Mickey Mouse Club? M-I-C-K-E-Y-M-O-U-S-E. But no, seriously, like belonging to Jesus means belonging to some weirdos, right? <laughs> that want to deprive you from worldly pleasures are a special elite group, right? That only few can kind of join. Uh, but in fact, this is not what following Christ means at all. And the world needs to know this. People need to know this. Following Christ means you and I have kind of entered into a scenario, right, where Jesus restores us, right, redeems us, and transforms us, right? And so it's not just about joining some kind of club or church. Like, Jesus has power, friends, right? And that's what we see reflected in this text. We see a very dire, desperate situation, a very dire and desperate man go to the, um, you know, the man, Christ Jesus, the only man who really had the solution for his leprosy. And you can fill, you know, you can fill leprosy in with your own, you know, disease or sickness or, man, that guy's just too hard. Christ will never reach him. Listen, friends, Christ is in the business of reaching the unreachable. No person is far from the reach of God. And in order for us to value people the way that Christ valued people, we need to have those thoughts in mind. We don't need to need to go after the low hanging fruit. I, I, and that might not be the best way because every life is precious. Every life is special. But, but could you imagine the rumor mill that spread it about Paul the apostle? That he would actually be somebody that was for Christ? Somebody that was for Christians? I mean, never probably in a million years would most people who knew Paul or of Paul would ever think that Christ would get, lay a hold of his heart. But this tyrant, this hater of Christians, right? This man who could care less, you know, is saved. And this is the power that is in Christ Jesus. And my question, you know, to you, do you realize and do you, do you as, as, a, as a minister, really, that's the way I see you, as a minister of God's gospel, are you connected to that power? Do you realize this, that, that Jesus has the ability to turn that co-worker's heart he has the ability to turn that, you know, that, that 
disgruntled, you know, Jesus-hating college campus student's heart. In matter of fact, it seems to be that in the Gospels, those are the very people that Jesus targets. <laughs> it's almost like, now I'm, I'm just, this is hyperbole. I mean, this is conjecture, conjecture. I think it's not like biblical, but, but it's almost like Jesus wants to do this in order to brag. See, I did that. <laughs> you're right. That man was unreachable. That, yeah, you're right. That, that man was a fornicator. Yeah, that, that man was a drug addicted, hands swollen. But I, I reached out from heaven through a, through a little girl named Maria. <laughs> you know, I mean, this little girl that feels largely insignificant and probably in the first place doesn't even want to be there at first. You know, but Jesus uses her life to exalt himself in that man's body. And his hands shrink and, and he's in church and he's being discipled serving the Lord. I mean, come on, guys. This is the business that Christ is in. A lot of us have given up, uh, you know, on believing that God still works like this. But he most certainly does. He doesn't always. I hear, I hear that. You know, he's sovereign. He does what he wants to do, how he wants to do, for who he wants to do it. But man, my heart's full in that he's always wanting to do it. I don't, like, I, I'm not really too caught up with the outcome. I, I just want to be a willing vessel that God uses. And I always want to be in faith. I always want to be in faith. That like me, that, that hard-hearted young man who's addicted to alcohol, who's addicted to fornication, can, God can reach out from heaven and save him. I, I want that. And I believe God wants that for the church. Let's look at some other texts that exist that kind of just highlight the restorative work that, that Christ does. In Jeremiah 30, 17, these, this is well before Christ ever walked on the scene. And this is, I think, indicative of why Christ kind of pinpoints and targets the unreachable, you know? This is what Jeremiah prophesies about Jesus. For I will restore health to you, and your wounds I will heal, declares the Lord, because they have called you an outcast. <laughs> it is Zion for whom no one cares. Come on. I mean, that's exactly the, the position that this leper was in. And many people like him. Not with disease. I think of the woman at the well. I think of some of the demoniacs that Jesus encountered. This is, his, this is Jesus' heart. Though the world rejects you, I receive you. So let me heal you. Let me bound up, bind up your wounds, declares the Lord. Come on. And then, of course, in Psalms 51, 12, it says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. And Job, I, I think there's no greater example than Job of this restorative work that God you know, does in his life. If you're familiar with the story, we don't have time to get into the specifics, but you know, Job suffered such loss. You know? um, but here's what the Lord said to Job at the end of that suffering. He says, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. And you're gonna have to familiarize yourself uh, with the book of Job if you wanna know what the heck he's talking about. Because again, we don't have time. The hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter. The great army which I sent among you. I mean, I don't, we could preach on that right there. I, I, that blows my mind. Okay, it, moving on. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. Oh, I don't know if I could... Definitely picture that Job's life was 
you know, a matter of God dealing wondrously with him, but that's the way God sees it. But the, 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 the idea here is that God now has shifted and is going to restore back to Job uh, far more than what he had uh, when he first encountered those beatings and those setbacks. You know, as, as a father who um, was one day faced with his child having a chronic uh, disease, um, I can definitely say through the four years of my son's diagnosis with Lyme's that I definitely struggle in the area of seeing God as like this powerful, restorative, you know, um, being, I guess, if you would. Um, but man, fortunately for our story, God did heal my son. And I'm going to tell you, those were some of the most deepest kind of um, reconnection that I made to the power of God. The, the, the fact that he, he does and he is very involved. And I just want to encourage you, guys, uh, not just for where we're heading uh, and how we're trying to focus and be more missional as a church. I, I, I want to just encourage even over your own lives, don't ever give up on God and his ability uh, to suddenly work powerfully in your health, you know, with your wealth. I'm, I'm not trying to be a prosperity teacher, but God is able, friends, and I think in the heart of God, he wants to reconstruct some of that in the hearts of, of, of the believer. Because often, uh, you know, I think we've just fallen prey to like, uh, you know, just lack. You know, well, Abram's just, all the doctors are going to say he's always going to have headaches. He's always going to have ache in his body. He's always going to run these temperatures. You know, it's just, it's just going to be, we have to get on with it. We're just going to, this is life. But then God breaks in. And I want to just encourage, do you have a vision of God breaking into your situation? Do you, have, do you, have, uh, do you, do you see God as, as able? Man, I think God wants to help us reimagine the, the power of God, the, the available, let me say this, the available power of God. And, and, and let me tell you, the, the world needs it. The world needs it. Like, like oftentimes we just kind of, like I said earlier, uh, try to, you know, win people for the sake of just, you know, growing our numbers out here, you know, in the church. I'm not just talking about this church, but, and that certainly that's part of it. We want to see people discipled and thrown into the community of faith. It goes far beyond that. You know, it's so far that the premier verse to kind of, you know, highlight the heart of God over this matter is this. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, seeking that none would perish, but that all would have everlasting life. And part of, you know, the world not perishing, I believe, is they have to see a God who's alive. They have to see a God who, who can restore their situations. Now, I, I, hear me now, there's a fine line I wanna walk here. But man, I think God wants us to reimagine this as a people, that, that this is not just signing people up to grow churches. This is, this is um, healing the sick. This is going out, casting out demons in the name of God. You know, this, this, is, this is what it is. It's that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I concluded, and this is where I'll conclude today, um, and we'll continue this conversation next Sunday. 
Um, we're not let off the hook when it comes to this. In, in regards to, we have an obligation. <laughs> like, like God is, in his son Christ Jesus has given us, I guess if you would, a mandate, a, a charge. And I concluded um, my sermon on the 20th of February with this text. It's in John 17. And we'll unpack this more next Sunday. But I want to leave it here too just for you to consider and you to think about this week as you go out into that world and you are faced with various people of various faiths or maybe no faith at all. This is what Jesus said in John 17, 18. He said in the same way. Now I'll give a little context here. I'm reading out of the message which I know comes under a lot of fire as being another uh, a, a wonderful translation of uh, the Bible, but I don't care. I, I like it. Um, <laughs> it. says, in the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, and we're going to get into that mission a little bit because, guys, believe it or not, we're not here just to breathe air and exist and drink lattes and raise families, although that's very much a part of what we're, we're, we're going to do. But God has given us a message through mission, excuse me, through his son, Jesus. And here we're going to break this down next Sunday. It says in the same way that you gave me, this is Christ, a mission in the world. I give them who are them us. So it's just those 12 disciples that kind of followed Jesus around, although it applied, it certainly does apply to us today. I give them that mission in the world as well. And so as we bring this to a close and as we look forward to next Sunday, um, continuing this conversation, I, I want us to have this in mind. Um, how, how can I be missional? That's, that's the thing, right? It's like, how can I, because sometimes we think like, oh, it's, it's the pastor's job to grow the church. No, it's not. Uh, you know, or it's the pastor's job to save people. No, it's not. No, I have my hands full. It's not like I'm idle in that area. But I, I want to call all of us to be more proactive and, and not just think that, you know, reaching the lost means some guy who's in full-time ministry goes out and do it, but that you in your context, in your neighborhood, in your school, in your workplace, you start to be salt and light. You start to share your faith. And, and don't do it with the idea of like, I'm just trying to grow the church. Do, do it with the thought in mind that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Do you have a song for us, maestro? Let's stand to our feet. Father, we, we receive your mission. I... I I am so tired, God, of um, seeing the church waste time here on earth. Caught up in their own little world, God. Caught up in the white picket fence, in the American dream, building my bank account. Comfort, safety, excess, materialism. God, I am so fed up. And I imagine, Lord, if you were here, you would communicate how fed up you are. And so, Lord, we want to hear that today in our hearts, Lord. We want the message of Jesus burning the mission of Jesus, the message of Jesus, burning inside of us, God. In this next couple of Sundays, Lord, would you open our eyes to see that mission? Would you help us, God, not waste our time here on earth, the very brief time
time, the very brief moment that we have, Father, would you help us not waste it? As the good old evangelist said, we want to be used by God to uh, populate heaven. (laughs) We want new names to be written in the book of life, God. But first we have to, we have to receive and be obedient, Lord, to walk out the mission. So God, help us. We need grace. We don't want to white knuckle our way through this, God. We want to be inspired, fully inspired by God and the Holy Spirit. And so, Father, break in upon apathy. Break in upon apathy right now in Jesus' mighty name. Father, for those who may be concerned of how to share, what to share, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would break fear off of them in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I ask, God, that they do just say something, God. Something, not so concerned about saying the wrong thing or, or not saying the right thing. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, you would break that off of us, Lord, and that we would take risks, that we would be bold and courageous and be a people on mission. Let John 17, 18 burn within our hearts. Show us your mission, Jesus. Father, I pray that this coming Saturday, as we go back out to the Miracle Mile, I pray that hundreds of people would show up, God, from this church, God, that we would put to action, Lord. We would put to action the things that you're calling to us through your word. In Jesus' mighty name, Father, free our schedules up. They're too dense. They're too packed with things. They're unprofitable. Father, I pray in Jesus' mighty name, Lord, that you would reorientate our church around the Great Commission. In Jesus' mighty name, Father, let this be a starting point of something glorious and great. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, we're going to bring this to a wrap and a close, but before we do, um, I want to invite, and please, core team, just be aggressive. Come on up. I'm going to invite the core team up. We don't want anybody to leave without receiving prayer. I, I imagine there are so many needs amongst this community of people, and it would just be a shame if we didn't pray together and pray for those needs. So, And they don't have to be related to the teaching. You know, They could just be like, hey, man, I'm struggling at work. Hey, man, my marriage is struggling. Hey, man, I have this health issue, whatever it is. Come and receive prayer uh, uh, from these people up here. And then in closing, uh, we have this, as we said in the beginning of the announcements, Info Center. It's just our way of trying to connect with um, a, a, a transient community, a community that's always changing. The hardest thing is to really feel like you're known are you know people. And so we try to just give some practical ways of how you can quickly latch on to being known and knowing people here in this community. So if that interests you, head on over there. You just have to get, you know, we have to get your blood and your um, social security card. And then it's, it, no, I'm just kidding. It's just, it's just a warm, how, how you doing, you know, email exchange and a gift. Um, and then we have Beyond Sunday. If we haven't scared you with some of our zeal and passion, and you're like, man, I would really like to find out more about this church and this community of faith, well, Beyond Sunday is the place that you want to be. There's some snacks and some warm faces, some love up there. Uh, 10, 15 minutes, just a conversation, unpacking three ways that you can easily, quickly assimilate into the life of our community. Other than that, church, the altar is open. The minstrel is playing. (laughs) I'm kidding, Uh, but not so much. Um, 
it, it's open and, and, and we want to pray for people who need it. I don't want to make light of a very serious moment. If, if you need prayer for anything, come up as Will continues to play. We're going to wrap up this service. We love you guys. Please come back the following Sunday. You know, there's just something about committing yourself faithfully Sunday after Sunday to the people of God and the house of God. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that just because I'm a pastor. I've lived that the entirety of my Christian experience and it has never let me down. Some of you guys are playing games with, you know, treating church more like a buffet table. You go from this spot to that spot and you know, you really do a disservice to yourself. You really do a disservice to yourself and I want to encourage you. I'm not trying to be hard. I'm just trying to be clear. Be part of a church. If it's not this one, find one. If it's not this one, find one and give yourself to it. Stop hopping. Stop going from one experience to another. Get known and get to know the people of God because your life will flourish and be enriched as a result. We love you, church. Come back next Sunday as we continue this conversation and the altar is open.